Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Shall we begin? Let's begin now. Hey, this is Brian January, and you're listening to Dishin and Swishin. Hey everybody, it's David Siegel helping you get ready for Game 5 of the WNBA Finals with Edition and Swishin' Podcast. Now yesterday you heard from Ryan Rucco of ESPN and his perspective on what the first games were like to be covered. So now, you know, before the series started, we talked to the posts. We had Jaina Palmarinelli and we had Misty Bass on talking about their thoughts on the series. So as we head for Game 5... We're going to talk to the guards, and first, it's a pleasure to welcome somebody that's going to be sort of co-hosting this with me this week, and that is the Atlanta Dreams guard, Laisha Clarendon. Hi, Laisha. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having me. And it is a pleasure to welcome back for the first time this season, I think. We've had Sue on many times before, but it's always great to talk to the legendary Seattle Storm point guard who just gets, like, fine wine better as each passing year goes on. Welcome back, Sue Bird. How you doing, Sue? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about the WNBA Finals. And, you know, Sue, uh, first question that I have for you, has any of this surprised you, what you saw in the first four games as we get ready for Game 5? Um, no, not really. Not really. Um, I think it's been amazing to see, you know, the two best teams, or who were the two best teams all year, face off. Um, and series as they go, present, you know, interesting problems for both teams. Um, and we've definitely seen some swings, which I think is normal for a series. You know, a team gets beat. The other team that wins probably gets a little cocky. The other team that got beat gets a little motivated. And then, boom, mm-hmm. next game's a different story. So it's not that surprising. Um, and it's actually pretty amazing that it's all going to come down to a game five. You know, Alicia, you played against Minnesota in a game five. And, uh, you well, well, actually, no, you weren't in the Game 5, but you played against Minnesota in the finals, correct? Mm-hmm. I think I played for a few seconds at the end, yeah. <laughs> well, you were with the Fever at the time, though. So. Absolutely. So, so talk about the changes that you see in a team when you head to a Game 5 after, you know, the first couple go always seem to go back and forth, and then you get ready for a team with those kind of veterans and that kind of experience as they get ready for a Game 5. Yeah, I think uh, I was thinking about an interesting difference in the playoff format format this year because when we made it to the Game 5, I think we had played two three-game series before that, so six games plus what Game 5 is 11, and I was thinking about uh, the fatigue factor with these two teams, but they both had that first-round bye, so I think um, that's an interesting No, I think we should have a better Game 5. And, uh, you know, Indiana kind of just hit the wall. We hit the wall in that last series. Uh, that last game after such a competitive, you know, four games before that. And then I think um, the bench is a really big factor. And I think uh, that Minnesota has done a good job of trusting their bench and playing their bench. And obviously they have one of the strongest benches in the league. So I think that's going to continue to be 
a really huge factor, and that's something that they did in that series, uh, playing Renee and Anna Cruz off the bench that helped propel them to the win. Well, you know, it's nice that the new playoff format got us the one, the top two teams and they got in this, this great series. But we're, we're going to skip talking about the early rounds with both of you guys in that single game elimination uh, type thing because <laughs> I think both of you guys got a raw deal there. So, you know, one thing that I noticed, now, like I said, we're talking to the guards this time. So, Sue, you know, I look at L.A. and I saw some plays down the stretch last game. I saw Christy trying to force the ball inside to Candace at one time. You know, then she took the uh, three-pointer with rushing. And then you look at Lindsay on the other side. Talk for a second. You know, Christy has done a great job all year, but she's kind of like a square hole and a round peg when it comes to to being a, a true point guard versus Lindsay, who is one of the all-time best at that position. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, for for anyone who can play both the one and the two, um, it's tough. There, there, there's a balance that needs to be found. And for someone like Christy, which is a little different from Lindsay, Christy's a scorer. You know, Christy wants to get out there. She wants to hit shots. Um, she wants to be aggressive offensively. And when you're trying, you know, to, to run a team and simultaneously be that scorer, it can be difficult. I think it's more, you know, it's obviously more mental than anything. And then you take into consideration, I mean, L.A. has had, you know, obviously the core group has been there, Candace, Christy. NECA, you know, John Tell, but, you know, Essence Carson is new this year. They've got an entirely new bench. And with that, there always comes, you know, an adjustment period in terms of finding your roles and kind of getting that chemistry going. For Lindsay in Minnesota, I mean, that's essentially, you know, the same team it has been for a very long time. And they're all very much set in their roles and what they need to do. So Lindsay, you know, sets people up when she needs to, gets aggressive offensively when she needs to, and knows exactly the timing of both those things. Um, with Chrissy, it, it can be difficult. Um, you know, a lot of times they play her off the ball, and then all of a sudden she'll have the ball. And, and again, it's just a, a mindset that needs to shift. I think she's she's actually done a, a really good job, probably her best job since she's been in L.A. this year. You know, I know her turnovers are, are much lower than they have been before. She's shooting it at a, at a high, you know, rate. Um, but late in the game, I think, you know, when, uh, you know, the going gets tough and, and it's time to – make plays, that's when you, you, you see all those roles kind of come to play. And that's when you saw, especially in the last game, Minnesota, really just, just make the plays they needed to make down the stretch. Absolutely. I mean, Christy has done a great job, and she has been worthy of all of the uh, all WNBA consideration she received. And Brian has been very vocal about saying that they couldn't have gotten to where they were if she hadn't made the adjustment she had. But, you know, I think you're right, Sue. So when you go down the stretch and you get into that type of mode, then the instincts start taking over, and Christy is, a, is first and foremost a scorer. Uh, Leisha, you know, you've played against Lindsay. You've played against Christy. You know, one is the aggressive, physical, drive it to the basket. One is the pull up and take the shooter, take the shot. Can you talk for a sec about the difference in trying to play against those guards? No, I think they couldn't get two different point guards, and uh, I think they made a lot of really good points. Um, guarding Lindsay is like the ultimate level you to sleep point guard, and again, because she's <laughs> surrounded by so many great players, she she doesn't have to score. And I think a lot of times, I personally forget, and people I'm hanging out with, we forget how good Lindsay Whalen is because she, again, she doesn't have to come down and score every possession. So then you're just guarding her like, oh, she's just going to run the offense. You know, she passes up a wide-open shot. 
And the next thing you know, she, like, comes off a handoff, turns the corner, and gets the and one, or comes off the screen and hits a pull-up jumper. And so because of the people she's surrounded by and because of how good she is, uh, she's really tough to, to defend because you forget about her a lot of times. And then guarding Christy, you know, to compare to the men's game, she reminds me a lot of Curry, especially with some of those end-of-the-game situations where I'd be, like, yelling at the Warriors, why are you taking that shot, Curry? Like, you need to be a smarter point guard, but it's to Sue's point that – when you're a combo guard um, and you're a two guard, you're usually looking to score every time you get the ball. You're thinking shy. So I think when you play both those positions, it gets difficult. But for Christy, um, it's just like guarding Curry. Like her footwork offensively, she gets you the pull-up. So I think it was uh, the last game in Minnesota, she came down and Maya was trying to catch up with her and she just stopped and popped and shot the ball. So it's totally opposite, but they're both so capable of scoring that it's a, it's a really interesting matchup. Yeah, so one thing I wanted to ask you about, and Leisha, you can also chime in on this because you also have not played as overseas like this. So you, of course, had played over the years, and, and now last year you didn't, and you had one of your best statistical years uh, in several years after taking the winter off. Now, granted, adding Stewie in a second year of Jewel Lloyd certainly helps with the assist count. Uh, Lindsay last year struggled down the stretch, was clearly hurt and tired this year. She, and she did the same thing, took the year off and is phenomenal this postseason. Is this something that you would recommend, you know, from what your experience is now and what we're seeing? Is this something that as players start to get more experience, and notice that I've tried a couple times not to say getting older now. Uh, <laughs> That, well, Sue yelled at me at the Olympic tryouts when I said that she was old, getting a little older. So, but as you get more I'm experience, not is this something? About it, don't worry, I'm not sensitive. <laughs> is this something that more players should be looking into doing, in your opinion? Um. So no, I don't. I think it's all about time and place in your own career and injuries, age, unfortunately. Um, things of that nature play a role. And I think the best way to to describe it and talk about it is basically just like a list of priorities, you know. I think what needs to be high on your list of priorities as a younger player is playing. It's, you know, you have to, you know, perfect your craft. You have to go out there. You have to play. And and you see it. You know, someone like you bring up Jewel. She's a great example. Jewel came into the WNBA, had a, I mean, rookie of the year. She had a good year, you know, by, by all counts, a very good year. But, you know, something was, was, you know, she was still adjusting, getting used to it. Goes overseas, and a lot of times when, when these players go overseas, they're the man on their team. They have to do it all. They have to score. They have to be, you know, a major contributor. And Jewel had that experience, came back, and what you saw was somebody just way more comfortable, way more at ease, knew exactly what she wanted to do, why she wanted to do it. And you don't get there by taking a year off and, and working out on your own. I think you need to play games. You need to be in game situations. So I think as a younger player, I would never recommend not going overseas. Um, now, to each their own, everybody has, you know, like look at Elena Deladon, look at Skylar Diggins. They don't go overseas, and they seem to be doing just fine. But for a majority <laughs> of players, I think you need to play. Now, you fast forward, you know, Lindsay, myself, we're kind of in the same generation. She's, she's two years younger. We're in different parts of our career. You know, we're in the part where, you know what, being healthy and feeling good physically that's more than half the battle. You know, the skill set, the, the games played, you know, for if you want to get fancy with it, the 10,000 hours type mentality, we've kind of put in the work. You know, we've played a ton of basketball up until now. So now what's most important is feeling good. 
because I know, you know, not this past season, but the season before and the season before that, for me, I physically didn't feel good, and therefore I couldn't play. You know, even though I was obviously a capable basketball player, I couldn't do it game in and game out. So, you know, I think it just, it, it's, it kind of, you know, ebbs and flows in terms of what you need in your career and where you are. Alicia, what do you think? Definitely. I agree and I disagree. If, um, I agree that you have to find, obviously, that balance for every player, every situation. Um, and Jewel sounds like a great example, but I actually had to fight my Indiana coaches about this a lot. And I think I'm a really good example on the flip side of how do you get better if you're practicing with the same habits? This is my mentality. And so I went overseas, whatever, didn't love it, kind of had some injuries. So I took some time off and I wanted to get better as I saw, like, oh, my God, the things I could do in college, I just could not do at the pro level my rookie year. I was like going for my pull-up, getting blocked from behind. I was just too slow. I didn't have counter moves. And so for me, it was like after, again, trying to play that first year, as Sue said, um, I decided to take the next two years off, and I just did a bunch of skill development stuff. And so my mentality was like, I can't get better if I'm playing with these same habits unless, you know, I was able to take my skill coach with me overseas, which is like the ideal um, situation for me in some moments. But you know, I was able to break down, like, film and ball screens, and I, like, I totally transformed my game, and I was able to just, you know, add moves that I didn't have. And so for me on the flip side, it was like, how can I add – an entirely new move or dynamic to my game if I'm just playing basketball games with the same bad habits. So I think those are two really good examples of, you know, it depends on every player and every situation and what your priorities are. Right. So, all right. Well, let's get to, to try and bring some closure to this. Let's get back to the series here. And, you know, Sue, I'm going to put, I'm not going to put you on the spot for a winner, but I'm going to ask you, you know, obviously the big players, you know, Sill, Maya, Candace, NECA, all have to step up and play their best games. Who do you think, based on what you've seen and where we're going and the fact that we're in the target center, where do you where should we focus? Where, where do you think that the primary uh, success is going to come out of those four? So what seems to have been um, kind of a theme in the first four games was the team that got off to the better start tended to, to finish it, finish it off and, and get the win. With that, you know, there's also been that kind of, like I said earlier, the team that won kind of got relaxed. The team that lost seemed to bounce back. But mm-hmm. even though Minnesota just won, and even though L.A. is probably extremely motivated, having the home court advantage, like having that home crowd, I think is going to help Minnesota get off to that good start. Mm-hmm. And that that can be trouble. That can be trouble. And and. Again, it's going to come down to, just like you said, assuming all of all things are equal, assuming Maya comes to play, assuming Candace comes to play, NECA, Simone, Lindsay, Christy, all down the line. Obviously, all those players need to step up. But with that, I think the home court advantage is going to prove to be a lot. Now, on the flip side, if, if the bench play, you know, or not even just the bench play, but like the fourth, fifth, sixth player options, those players come to play for each team then we have a different story because I think a lot of what you've seen is, yeah, all these great players have done all these great things. And then it'll be like a Rebecca, a Rebecca Brunson jumper that goes in mm-hmm. the game or a Chelsea gray three, you know, you need those players mm-hmm. to step up. I mean, AB was the, the savior for game one, you know, left alone in the corner, essentially, right? Like, you know, that she was not part of that play. But, but hit the right. <laughs> so those two things kind of um, 
we'll 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 see how they per, you know how they come out, how they present themselves, and and I think that can be the home court's huge to get over. But if the bench play for LA can can step up, they have a really good shot. Well, you know that game two and game three are the only team only games won by the home team in the season series. All the regular season games and the other two playoff games were all won by the visitor. Yeah, but, good point. I'm, but that doesn't reflect 19,000 people like they're expecting in the target. Right. <laughs> right. I'm curious, uh, just from both of you guys and from Sue, I, watching the last game and talking about those bench rolls, Kelsey Gray stepped up huge. I think she ended up with 20 points. She hit some timely threes. She was aggressive. She was great defensively. Uh, but it seems like it took the ball out of NECA and Candace's hands. So it's like, how do you find that balance or how do you trust and even praise your bench, but also be like, whoa, we need to make sure we get our stars with touches because it seems like NECA got really lost in that last game. Great. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, it's a good question. That's, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's like the, the hard part when your <laughs> post players are the ones, mm-hmm. um, you know, that you need to get the ball because when it's a guard, like Maya, Maya, the ball just finds Maya. The ball finds Lindsay, right. finds Simone. It's not an issue. Sylvia usually gets a lot of her, her touches off offensive rebounds. Um, right. So, yeah, when your two main players are post players, you know, it's, it's up to them, unfortunately, to to not float. You know, I know people were talking about that, about um, game four. They felt like Candace, Neko a little bit, but mostly Candace just ended up floating in that third quarter you know, a little bit right. before, and then finally got aggressive, um, you know, and, and again, basketball, I mean, it's all about, I mean, now at this stage, it's, it's, it's more so about balance than anything else. Um, you know, everybody, everybody knows how to shoot, dribble, pass, yada, 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 but right. does everybody know when to do that? You know, and LA has right. always been, that's always kind of been their Achilles heel, the when, mm-hmm. you know, they had all this talent for all these years, but could, you know, could they piece it together? Um, they've obviously right. figured that out this year, and now they're going to have to try and figure that out for one more game. You know, right. When I, when, That's what I'm wondering. When I, ta- when I talked to Ruko, the, he had an interesting point. He said, you know, the best ball handler and, the, you know, things run better when Candace, when Candace is running the offense, but then you run into the problem of finding the mix between Candace taking it down low, especially if Maya's covering, covering her, versus Candace stand, standing on top waiting for the ball. Right. And then you kind of get that four out, and then sometimes it, that clogs your driving lanes. I know when our posts were always just, stuck in the trail spot and I'd go to drive and their man would just help us be like what like move slide over yeah. get out of the way kind of yeah. that works. yeah you're like move <laughs> so that's so interesting. and I was wondering you're thinking more like um I don't know cross screen for NECA uh Penaways, even having her come off like some 45 screens because obviously giving her the ball one-on-one against the best defender in the league this year is not going to happen, right? She got blocked a few times, but the plays where I watched where she had the ball at the high post and got the rip and go, where she was coming off a uh, 45 yeah, degree, which was a lot more effective. Yeah, you got to put Sylvia right, yeah. the best um, right. on well, the defender. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't ever really, I mean, NECA has obviously some serious low post moves, you know, her step throughs and the way she was yeah. doing it, but it's really exceptional. Um, but I wouldn't really describe her as this, like, just low post presence player. A lot of what she no. does is off the move. You know, and that's right. where she can kind of counteract Sill's defense and Sill's just like length and size, um, getting the ball to move. And I guarantee you, like I played for Brian, obviously for many years. I'm sure he he sees this, he's recognized this, and he's gonna right. try to do that more. I mean, even late, late, late in the game, when not that it didn't matter, but they were like down four with not a lot of time. I mean, they went to Neca right off that baseline, boom, and she does. Yep. To your point, she does need to rip and go more. She just needs to be aggressive mm-hmm. and put Sill 
you know, in a situation where she has to, to move her feet and guard it on the perimeter. So and speaking to your you, point, oh, go ahead. No, so I, my question for you, Ben, based on that, just uh, I know we're running out of time here. You've, of course, played over the many playoff series. Do you get the younger players like Aneka and like Stewie, and you have to try and get them to understand that they have to be more aggressive than even they are during the regular season to get that ball to the hole, to, that it's different in the playoffs? Um, it's tough. You know, I think to some degree the, the play, playoff basketball is different. You know, it, it, it just is because when you have, you know, some of the most talented players in the world all focused on one game, you, you, you just dress it. It's just so different. You know, I think when you're in the season and you're like, all right, we play on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, there can be a tendency – whether you realize it or not, I don't even know if it's conscious. So just relax a little bit, knowing you have all these games ahead. But when you're focused on one, the intensity level, you know, rises up. And I think there is something to driving it to the basket, under control, obviously, and forcing, putting the ref in a situation where he, he or she has to make a decision. You know, there's, there's definitely advantages to that. Now, do I say do that at all costs? No, I don't. You know, I think... Like we're talking about, we're talking about this balance. You have to be aggressive in your own right, but not to the detriment of the team. Um, but for someone like NECA, you know, for someone like Stewie, these players who, you know, they're big and generally have a quickness advantage over their opponent, they do need to take advantage of that. I mean, Candace yesterday, not yesterday, sorry, last game had, you know, a tremendous drive from the top finish with her left, and she has that ability, and she probably needs to do that just as much against someone like maybe Maya or Rebecca Brunson than, than getting it in the, in the low post. In some ways, that might even be more of an advantage. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Lisa. You had something you wanted to ask. Oh, God, I don't know. Lost thought. I was all engaged. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I think it's interesting is Candace, um, I know I was tweeting about it and everyone was agreeing, was like Candace needs to get on the block more, but that hasn't traditionally been her game. So I think to Sue's point, if that's not – the way she's going to take advantage of the Maya Moore mismatches of the Brunson mismatches, they need to find another way to do that. Because she hasn't traditionally yeah. always been, you know, a bang back to the basket. She's a little bit more of a finesse, go around you, shoot over you kind of post player. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, Alicia, you know how it is. It's like just because there's this one mismatch on the floor, when it's right. – like focuses on that too much oh forget it then it becomes way too mental you're not just playing you know at at some point you need to and I think it's it's the point guard's job obviously I'm biased but you need to try to exploit (laughs) that in ways that flow naturally with the team but not like put all your focus on it um right you know it can't be oh Maya's on Candace go to her every single time don't get me wrong go to it get it to her in different ways but also get other people involved that's and I think that's did. something what? you're saying where Agler can do a good job of just, you know, if you know they're switching, put them in a cross screen, and then all of a sudden you have her on the right. block against Maya. And it's yeah. not like this, everyone's looking with the ball over their head kind of thing. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to is we have two of the best coaches in the league, the two, you know, one and two for coach of the year. And, you know, you give them this many days off in between to see to watch video and see what was going on. And, you know, between the head coaches and their assistants, I expect uh, – to, to see some really strong adjustments and a lot of uh, a lot of the mental aspects of the game will be totally different, I think, this time. Well, Sue, I know you got to go, and later we're going to bring in Brianne January shortly. So, uh, Sue, I want to thank you for taking time, and uh, we're going to see you doing some network television this off season. Uh, perhaps. Stay tuned.
<laughs> well, we look forward to it. It's always good to hear thank from you, you. and uh, thank, thank you, you for, for taking time. Me. Thank you for taking time. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Right. See you guys. And later, we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Later. Bye. Hi, everybody. This is David Siegel back with Dishin' and Swishin', the second part of our podcast today. You already heard from Sue Bird with my co-host, Laisha Clarendon, and we are bringing back another point guard. We are definitely hearing from the guards after hearing from the post last week, and it's a pleasure to welcome from the Indiana Fever, Brianne January. Bree, how you doing? I'm doing well. Happy to be on the show. Welcome back to Dishin' and Swishin'. It's good to have you back. It's been a while, and... uh, you know, we, we, uh, first let me congratulate you on a great season and coming back from that injury and, uh, the fever doing just about everything they possibly could to get as much out of Tamika and Stephanie's last year. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you very much. It was a very exciting year and excited to see what year, tomorrow or next year brings actually. <laughs> well, we can hope it's tomorrow, but tomorrow in the meantime, know, right? <laughs> we we'll be game five. <laughs> yeah. you, you just wanted to you wanted to be there in game five again after being in game five last year against Minnesota. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Tr- let's Fox start there. Uh, I talked to I talked to Lisa earlier about it. Now, tell me what's the difference in Minnesota from a game four situation to a game five situation now that you have played against them uh, in the playoffs in those circumstances. Well, their team just has so much experience in these in these games. You know, they have multiple players that have won championships and have played in games where their back has been against the wall and they've come out on top. And so I really think they just have the veteran leadership and the core and the experience to really pull out games like this. And it's going to be really tough for L.A. to come in and take it on their court. Now, Bree, okay. One coach that I spoke to in the WNBA has told me that you are the best defensive guard in the WNBA. Now, a lot of people also say that say that about Elena Beard. Uh, so, you know, where I want to go with this is, Bree and Laisha, both of you, let's talk about the defensive side on the Sparks for a second. Those are two the defense and Sparks are two words that you never used to hear together. Uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, but Brian I mean, has changed that with with Essence coming in and Elena coming mm-hmm. in. So you know, Laisha, let's start with you. It, talk about playing against Elena Beard and also having you know. You, granted, Christy plays a lot of isn't quite the same defender, and she plays one of the guard spots mm-hmm. usually. But Chelsea's stuff. Talk about playing guard against that defense. They're good. I think they're one of the most athletic teams beyond, like, the Atlanta Dream. And so I think what we've seen um, in the series is them bothering Waylon a ton. I think I've seen her get her shot blocked two or three times. Uh, just an on-ball, like, Elena Beard, long arms, Waylon pulls up, and she stipped it one time. Uh, I think it was in game three, a really timely, or game two, possession down the stretch, and then I think in the last game. So uh, playing against them, yeah, she's just annoying and tenacious, and she's just always in your grill. If you don't protect the ball, she's going to take it from you. And I think um, her length is something, her arms is something that really helps her. And as an offensive guard, we can tell you this too, because that's what we try to do as other point guards and offenses. It just wears you down. You just get Mm-hmm. You just always have to be mindful. Like you're trying to run the offense, you're trying to see where everybody's going, and then you have this little pest of a person, like always in your grill, always uh, zigzagging. You always try to poke the ball from you. So 
I think um, Elena, you know, she's definitely one of the best. I'd love to see her and Bree in, like, a defensive practice. <laughs> Going at it. I was doing cocktails all day or something. <laughs> yeah. That would be, Bree, that'd be one tough. One of the, Bree, one of the things that I've noticed with them that seems to be more successful than against most, than, in, at least against Minnesota, than most teams in the W that I've seen, period, is those traps in the corners of half court and such on the guards. I mean, I don't think I recall very many teams that have been this successful in trapping quality guards like a Lindsay, you know, mm-hmm. like the Sparks have been able to do. I, I mean, it, yeah. that's been pretty impressive to me. Oh, it's been super impressive, and like Lasia spoke on, um, they just have tremendous length, and it's not just in Elena and, you know, Essence. It's, I mean, that help rotation out of that out of that mm-hmm. trap. You have athletic long guards. You have Neca. You have Candice that can get in those passing lanes and can cover a ton of a ton of floor space to get those maybe soft passes, and then they're out in transition and. That that defensive intensity that Essence and Elena have brought, I mean, everybody's just kind of jumped on on that that defensive bandwagon, and that's what's been making them so, so successful this year, you know. And they've kind of bought into it, and you've seen you've seen the outcome, and you know, making it to the finals again. You know, when now you, when you look at Minnesota on defense, uh, it, it's actually more of the other way where they tend to use more of a funnel to get you into Sylvia mm-hmm. and Brunson. Uh yes. so so they'll let you they'll let you in there and then they'll shut the door, which uh certainly <laughs> is another way to handle it and it's got to be just as frustrating if not for when you suddenly think you're getting through and then Sylvia's uh standing over you uh looking to t- send it into the third row. Uh, Lisa, right. I think that's something that you probably run into a few times this year. Oh, maybe, maybe a couple times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was the defensive player of the year for a reason. Exactly, <laughs> for a reason. Exactly. Yeah, I think you see uh, two different styles, like you said. You have the upbeat, you know, in your face um, LA defense who's going to try and force you to probably beat them off the dribble. Uh, they're going to force you to put your head down and and try and turn the ball over, and then you have the Minnesota who, again, like, Waylon's not going to get in your grill. She's not really going to pick you up full court and zigzag you, but she's just going to try and keep you in front, force you to take contested shots, and then they're going to trust their help rotations when they're there. And I think that's where L.A. at times hasn't done a good job of continuing to move the ball, and they've just settled for those jumpers, which is what Minnesota wants. They want contested jumpers. That's the worst shot in basketball, and L.A., like, continues to – fall for that at moments, and they have to keep finding that balance of, you know, attacking, and it's hard because then you have, like you said, the help rotation of Sylvia's there. They just have to keep trusting and um, <laughs> just not taking – you know, you can get tired and you kind of take the easy shot instead of mm-hmm. continuing to drive and continuing to throw – you know that, Brie, right? You're just like, oh, well, oh yeah, you know, someone mm-hmm. just settles because you're like, we're tired, so you settle. Um, so I think that's going to be a big challenge for L.A. So how do you how do you not do that, Brie, as, as, when you're on offense? How do you avoid Sylvia and not get stuck taking those shots that they want you to take? Now I've seen you throw a couple off the uh, over your head, off the top of the glass, and and drop in. But let's just say I'm looking for a little higher percentage shot than that in this discussion. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I mean I just think it's super important for LA to kind of look back on this series and see when when they've been successful and what they've been doing and when they've been successful they've really put pressure on their defense and like you said just moving that ball and keeping keeping Minnesota on their toes and getting those rotations and when they draw 
Sylvia out of the paint, and then they're moving the ball. They have plenty of room to drive to the rim and not worry about that huge shot blocker down there. And then if somebody rotates, they have an easy shot, a pass out to an open shot. And they've been super successful when they've done that. But, you know, like Lay said, they've gone away from that. But, you know, when you have that ball, it's, it's easy to take that jump shot, and they just have to trust their teammate. And when they've had that trust and made that one more pass, They've been really good because Elena stepped up and she's been hitting shots. Essence has stepped up and made shots, and they just have to be confident in taking those because they're going to get them all day long. And even on that swing, they can drive to the rim and get an easy lay-in. Alicia, you asked a question earlier that I'd like you to ask Bree for her opinion too, regarding uh, you know, the the effectiveness of Chelsea Gray and the possible downside to that as well. Right. So I asked Sue earlier. Uh, when you're getting other people involved and your bench steps up, which is always a positive, right, bench production is mm-hmm. what everybody wants. But um, how that could have hindered L.A. in terms of their guards being the dominant players and their post players weren't getting enough touches. So it kind of felt like NECA mm-hmm. ended up being on the back burner because Chelsea came in, and, you know, for lack of a better way to word mm-hmm. it. Taking yeah. all the shots or getting more of the touches. So mm-hmm. Sue made a good point about when the post players are the players you want to get the ball, like it's difficult because – you know, they don't naturally flow and touch the ball the same way all the guards do. So how do we, yeah. I guess, counter that? Or do you see that as a problem for L.A. as well? Well, I don't, th- I don't, I don't think it's a problem. I just think for the guards, it needs to be a priority. Because I, I forgot which game it was, but you could tell from the jump of that game, their focus from the – from, you know, the first play was to get that ball in the neck, and she was going to be aggressive when she got the ball. And right. when they did that, then it just worked inside out. You know, the more aggressive NECA is on the inside, the more she's demanding the ball, the the easier it's going to be for those guards to get open, wide open shots because she's just demanding so much attention. And I think that's the same with Candice and just her activity level. I mean, NECA always – her activity level is always high, but with Candace, mm-hmm. I mean, she she'll spend she'll spend multiple possessions kind of just chilling out on the three point line, and for them to be mm-hmm. successful, she can't do that. So I right. mean, I just think it needs to be a, a point of emphasis going into the game because then it'll make everybody's it'll make everybody's job easier. The more aggressive they are, and the more they get the ball inside, because it really puts pressure on Minnesota's defense. Right, exactly. And right, this is never a knock on Chelsea because I think she stepped in and saw that. Exactly. Wanting the ball. Yeah, she had to. She was, exactly. Yeah, she was huge off the bench. Mm-hmm. So credit to her, but I just was watching the game noticing like, man, Neca just seems like she was stepping off the short corner at times. And maybe this exactly. point to Brian Agler is that like, this seemed like their team wasn't running anything to get Neca involved either. So like I was talking mm-hmm. to you earlier, run her off 45 screens, run her off down screens, run her oh, off cross yeah. screens to get, get the, get Sylvia moving defensively versus just letting her catch the ball, like, you know, one-on-one with Sylvia squared up behind her. Like, that's yeah. hard for anyone to score over. Exactly. And I'd, I'd take NECA flashing to the high post and beating Sylvia off the dribble any day, you know, with some space. I mean, she's exactly. so athletic and so explosive. If you give her room to operate and some and some space to do it, she's going to be – she's going to get it done. But I think they need to do a better job of just finding her, and she needs to, you know, demand the ball. So – all right, I have a question about stuff. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm finished. I have a question about rebounding. So I know as Indy, right? We were always really undersized. We were like tiny. Oh yes, always. <laughs> um, but you know, we had Elena. We had catch. I feel like we had people with so much heart and hustle that we found a way to get it done. But again, you know, when Sylvia got traded to Minnesota, it was just like 
there's sometimes when you can just put all your might, energy, and effort and, like, oh, you yeah. can't keep her off the rebounds, and that speaks to Minnesota's um, ability to crash the boards, their energy, and their effort. And so what I've seen a lot in this series, too, is, like, the weak side box outs with Candice. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times we've just fallen asleep. So I think we've just got to speak to the importance of rebounding in this series. Um, and, again, yeah, talk about a little bit how mm-hmm. hard it is to crash. You know, you've guarded Simone and Maya. And oh, yeah. You know, Maya's one of the hardest people to box out mm-hmm. in a hard position. Oh, without yeah. a doubt, it's so important. Uh, did you have some? No, I just going to say just to throw out a number, some little numbers out at you mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, I hadn't realized you look at the size of L.A. and you look at, you know, the big lineup with Jantel Lavender out there and with Candace and NECA. And, you know, Minnesota finished third in the league in rebounding per game and L.A. finished third to last. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. so that speaks it's, to what, what Laisha was saying about the hustle and heart part. Exactly. Yeah. That's all rebounding is. That's all it is. And it, I think, you know, what really got Minnesota into this, I mean, to this last game and really allowed them to kind of control it was their second chance points. I mean, they, mm-hmm. LA gave them so many offensive rebounds, and which led to putbacks, which you know are you know made them play defense for a whole another possession, which takes a toll right. on you in the you know in the grand scheme of a series or a game. And you know that's something that LA can't do because you know, Minnesota is one of those teams that's relentless and they understand the importance of having the ball and getting multiple shot opportunities mm-hmm. and. I think a lot of the time, I mean, you, not everybody on Minnesota's team is dedicated to crashing every offensive board, but I think right. everybody on LA's team on the defensive end needs to be in the paint. You need to have, you right. might need to have two people on Maya and two people on Sylvia and then have three, you know, and have that other person just yeah. coming in there to scoop up the ball. Like that might need to happen, but you know, it's, it's so important and you have to limit those second chance points because they are tough right. and Sylvia is, just so dominant and she's so athletic down there in the point uh, in in the paint and even with NECA's you know wingspan and athleticism it's right. hard to battle that for 40 minutes so she definitely needs some help down there right and it makes know. me think about how much uh, rebounding is uh, it's hard to be something you turn on and off right I remember coaches always being so hard like oh, I'm out in practice and you're like okay I'm sorry we're <laughs> playing against the guys like I'll do it in the exactly. game but, you know it's mm-hmm. Won't because it's, it's such a habit that you have to build every single day to turn and box out consistently. It is a habit. It is a habit, and just like that, it can turn the momentum of a game quick. So yeah. And then you know they are going up against so she's the leading rebounder all time offensive, right, Rebecca Brunson. Mhm. They feel that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I also looked up some stats that when um, Minnesota loses. They only had the two games they lost. They had five and eight offensive boards. The two games they won, oh. they had fourteen and thirteen mm-hmm. offensive boards. So almost like double. Jeez, wow. there you go. Just, I was like, oh. taken my. By the way, Leisha's taken my job for the offseason. I see it. You better watch yourself. She's doing a great I'm job. Telling you, I'm telling you, I'm loving it. Uh, you know, one thing I wanted to ask the two of you as guard as guards. Now, you know, for years we're always thought as a post, get the ball, pivot to the outside, find the guard, and run. Fill the wing. Now, you got Candace and Maya who take the ball and bring it themselves most of the time. And, you know, Maya, of course, is a little bit smaller and does have a better, I'd say, a little bit better handle. When you guys see Candace bringing the ball up, you know, both of you are aggressive defenders. Do, do you guys get excited, like, when you see that and say, that's an easier takeaway for me? 
or do you look at that and say, you know, that you got to get off, you got to back off and and let her just wait for her to turn the ball over or see what she's going to do with it or it's just you know, Brian talks about letting Candace do her thing and she is one of the top assist people in the league, but to me it's still you know, I think I'd rather have a guard with the ball in her hand than as a defender. I'd be kind of happy to see a post bringing the ball up. Am I wrong on that? Really? Um, um, honestly, when I mean when Candace is bringing the ball up the court, it is like a guard's bringing the ball up the court. So it's just, I mean, just like any other person who's initiating a break or anything, the goal is to get somebody to the ball and just to slow them up so they don't get anything easy. Because a lot of right. the times the matchups are a four player who's guarding Candace, who's not used to picking up full court or stopping the ball. Mm-hmm. And so essentially you have a, you know, like a five on four, a, yeah, like a five on three, a five on four break for LA every time because nobody's stopping the ball and she can just, she can probe the whole floor and find something easy. So it's so important to get anybody to the ball just to stop them and slow them down because she can handle the ball just like a guard. And if you do have somebody digging in and maybe just turning her one time, that gives your defense that second that it needs to get back and get set. Mm -hmm. I definitely think the biggest thing about four players bringing the ball up in Candace is the matchup. Um, I know we talked about scouting and it would change different effects, but like Bree said, it would be like someone has to stop the ball. So now all of a sudden, let's say, you know, Indiana, Bree stops Candace, and now, like, someone else has to pick up. Maybe Larkins was guarding Candace, but yeah. he has to pick up Essence or someone who can mm-hmm. take her off the dribble. So now you've created two mismatches. So I think that's what's so important and good about having a ball handler like Candace, uh, mm-hmm. like Maya, like even Angel, when she plays before, it throws people way off. And someone who's not supposed to be bringing the ball up does that, I think, it causes such a mismatch havoc. And I think Candace is a good enough dribbler to, like, I know when it's oh, yeah. grab, maybe she'll just back you down or she'll pass it, and now she can just um, take you down low and try and force the mismatch. That's one of the things that I'd like to see is when she does bring it up is her hit that one pass to the wing and then dive. And to right. me, that, that's something that's always success, successful more times than not. Unfortunately, I think there's just a lot of times where she dishes and then stops and waits for the ball yeah. to come back. And so I'd I remember love hearing... to see her. I'd... Yeah, wait. Go ahead, Lay. Go ahead. I was I was just about to say you spoke on the mismatches, and I think that's a huge part of Game Five. And they just have not been exploiting it. I mean, when anybody other than Sylvia or Brunson is on Candace, she needs to bury him under the basket. And you know, she a lot of times, like we were talking about, she's just been on on the three. But if she brings the ball to the court, that pass ahead and dive down when Maya's on her when. Um, Tasha or Natasha How- Howard's honor, like those are those mm-hmm. are buckets that they've been missing out right. on. But you know, and do you think this is something where Candace just needs to like, you know, game five, win a championship, bury someone, you know, I guess not care about her style of play? Because what I've seen in the last four years, I don't think I've seen Candace really bang on anyone. Like her style of play is much more shoot over you, shoot a fade away. It's not really like you know Sylvia Fowles yeah. bury you, show mm-hmm. my numbers. Yeah, maybe dunk on you kind of style. So, is that yeah? Cool? I mean, it's just like you like neck and be like get on the block. We don't care. <laughs> exactly. Know? I mean, just yeah. Use. I mean, use her assets to her advantage. You know, you have a a huge height advantage, and it's it's and it's not like Candace has never posted up. She gets the ball in the post, right? You know, often, and so she knows how to get down there. I think it's just 
a matter of doing it consistently because, you know, she she is free-flowing and she'll go out on the three and then dive down to the rim. And I just think it's right. just it's, – it's not habit for her just to dive down to the block every time. But, right. you know, when you have that mismatch, it's something you need to think about. I know yeah, I remember watching the, the game and okay. – Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm hearing no, no, go ahead. talk about her – her activity level, no matter what, if she got the ball or not, it was like every time Candace passes, she just decided, like, when she dies, her. Or when she cuts hard, she pulls people, and then, you know, it makes mm-hmm. an open pass for someone else. So it's not necessarily her even always getting the ball. It's just her having that NECA-like activity level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she she's a vacuum. You know, she draws all the defense in, and then it opens up a ton of stuff for her team. And, you know, I think that's huge, like you said, for them. So, so Bree, you now after after game four, you know, both teams have had four days to sit and stew about what happened in the last game. You know, before game five when you played Minnesota last year, what was the primary focus that you were trying to look at and get your team ready? You know, what what were the fever looking at? You know, for both of you, what what was the the prime factor? Were you looking to just stay on an even keel? just study film what do you do to get ready for a game five um just continue to get better you know we we sat down we looked at film looked at the adjustments we needed to make looked at the breakdowns that we had and just I mean when you're playing against a great team like Minnesota your margin for error is very small and so we just need to cut down our mistakes and you know try to play as you know perfect as we can um, cut down all on, on all the mistakes, and I think that's what we did. We just focused on us and what had gotten us to this point and what was going to make us better. We just wanted to continue to play, get to the point where we're playing better basketball every game, and I think that's where our focus was. Way you can speak on it some more, but very similar. I think offensive schemes talked a little bit about mm-hmm. matchups. All very, you know, coach X's and other things. Like we've played each other this many times in the season, so I think you kind of mm-hmm. know everything that's coming. And so, where where can we find little um, ways to gain advantage? And so for Indy, sometimes it was like we always switch all screens with the guards, or in certain plays we do switch switch a screen, or we try and switch our defense up a lot, where we just trap one side of a timeout and then you know don't trap again after that. Uh, just finding little ways to not let the other team get a beat on you, on your scout. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I need, as we look at yeah. as we look at this game, home stretch, one game to go. You know, obviously the big players have to step up. Give me somebody that you think could be a key player that's not named the Gumake, Parker, Moore, or Fowles. Hmm. Ooh, this is fun. Um, let's see here. <laughs> yeah. This is the time where the guests usually say, "I'll let her go first. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking yeah, no. how much the bench is going to get to play in this game. So I'm wondering, you know, like, yeah, I want to say maybe like a Howard or something, a player like that, or Gia Perkins knocks down a few shots. But I'm wondering, you know, your your roster gets yeah. tighter and tighter every game we oh, go in the finals. It gets like. The bench gets finished. Sure. What do you think, um, Ray? I mean, I think. Mm, mm, let's see. For LA, I want to say. I want to say. I mean, Elena and Essence. I honestly, yeah. I mean, like we spoke on earlier, just 
their defensive intensity, if they bring it and they are able to stay out of foul trouble and really frustrate and force Minnesota guards to bring the ball up full court the entire game, get those deflections like they've been having with the active hands, and then con- and then force contested jump shots and not give them anything easy, I think it's going to be tough for Minnesota because usually they run their offense like a well-oiled machine, but just because of the length and the you know, the active hands and the aggressive defense, they've kind of been struggling with that. So I think they are the ones that kind of set the tone with that. So, and then if they knock down their open shots, that'll give LA a really good chance of pulling it out. So do you think that LA's ability to influence play with their guard defense, does that counterbalance or offset, however you want to say, the, the home court advantage? of the crowd going crazy? <laughs> that place gets rocking, you know. They yeah. have a great fan base, <laughs> you know. It gets it gets rocking, and I can't even, you know, it, that's that's always the p- tough to play, in, I mean, in an environment yeah. like that. But at the same time, they did win a game there, and that's what they need to think back to, you know. They need to think about, you know, the energy, the activity level, you know, the focus they had when they came in that one time and took that game because it's going to take that and some in this environment because it's just going to – I mean, the the noise is just going to be greater. The, you know, the effort's going to be greater on, from Minnesota. And so they just need to build on that and think about that as they move forward into this game. And I think that one of the biggest things of being on the road in which we've seen L.A. do this entire season, but – um, is their poise. And so I think that's mm-hmm. the big differences in these teams that I think everyone, I don't want to speak for the whole world, but I feel like everyone is kind of still waiting for LA to, to prove themselves that they can, you know, win a championship and stay poised mm-hmm. and not fall apart because we've seen them have talent for the last, what, like five, six, seven years, but we haven't <laughs> seen them. Yes. Um, but that build that, that chemistry and that togetherness, whereas obviously Minnesota has, um, for, you know, Olympic players, their leadership in Lindsay Whalen, we've seen them, you know, they're tested over and over again. They've won three championships with that roster. So can L.A. show up and stay poised on the road is the big question. Right. Like, do they sag their shoulders? If they if the, mm-hmm. the lead is eight to zero and they have to call a timeout, you know, do they start bickering, looking left to right? Or, like, are they locked in the entire game no matter what? I think that's going to be one right. of the biggest factors beyond, you know, talent oh. and make shots, miss shots. It's going to be that, like, mental toughness. Yeah, somebody like needs to step up. Oh, oh, yeah, that that as well. But somebody needs What's to step that? up. It, somebody needs to step up when the game is close because this has happened multiple times, I believe, just when the game is close and then – they shoot themselves in the foot by forcing something. They want it so bad that I feel like everybody on that L.A. team wants to step up and, you know, be that one to make the play. But it's, it's not about that. It's about staying the course and doing what got you to that point because when they start forcing it, that's when they get a turnover and Minnesota gets an easy run out, and then there, there goes that separation again in the score. So down the stretch, when the game is close, somebody needs to take that ball and make sure everybody is on the same page and they get something good in that possession. So Sue made a really good point earlier when David started to kind of compare Tolliver's game and Waylon's game that Tolliver's a combo guard and Waylon mm-hmm. is just a pure point guard and her job obviously surrounded by tremendous talent is just to facilitate, right? And we right. can kind of fall mm-hmm. asleep on Waylon because she literally, she doesn't even have to score. Like she turns it on when she needs to and knows that, but Tolliver has this really hard teetering balance of 
as a two guard, whenever you catch the ball, right, you're looking to score. Like, that's your job as a mm-hmm. two and three. So she teeters from the two spot to, like, being thrown back into the point guard when naturally, like, she is the scorer. She's like Steph Curry oh, yeah. one where it, like, doesn't really make sense, you know, but it works. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> that hard balance for her to be like, okay, it's the end of the game. It's not time for me to come down and shoot a step back three. It's time for me to be like, oh, um, good Lord. Yeah. And make sure we get a good touch. And I could see that, mm-hmm. you know, that dilemma in her. Cause it's like, when you're a scorer, like you're like, I don't care. Like yeah. I'm just going down ready to shoot. Exactly. So, yeah, we'll talk about her just doing a really good job of that. Mm-hmm. Well, we've yeah. seen her certainly make mm-hmm. enough of those shots. And I think that's why one of the reasons why Brian had Chelsea in for as long as he did. Uh, was mm-hmm. that at least it gave her the ability to slide over into the two. But, you know, the other trade-off to that is you're giving up either Elena or Essence to the bench. And that, you know, mm-hmm. I think an, an untold and not discussed enough factor in those in the first three games was the job that Carson especially did on Maya. And so, you know, in the last game, mm-hmm. Maya just took over, and I think some of that was when Chelsea was in there. You know, and, mm-hmm. as, soon as, took a bit, and as soon as Maya took a seat, L.A. made a little run. So, right. you know, the so that that's the to me that's the key factor is, you know, is Maya going to be on and is Maya going to take over the game again or is Candace going to try and take over the game? Right. So, yeah. So, all right, Bree, should we put you on the spot and ask for a winner? Oh gosh. Um. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can. Um. I'm. I'm going to go with LA. On the road. Yeah, on the road. LA. Underdogs, I feel like, you know, through this whole thing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the underdogs and uh hope they put the pieces together. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <game laughs> no, five. The home the home team has won five out of seven games in this series. This season. Okay. Between those those mm-hmm. two teams. So the road team yeah. has yeah. been on fire, so yeah. Leisha? I think I'm, I'm maybe yeah. <laughs> I think Maybe I just want to see LA win, probably. <laughs> I, that's what I'm doing. I think I'm just trying to put good energy out there for them. <laughs> that's it. Right. So by my logic tells me Minnesota, hands down, being at home, my yeah. Lord, you know, Simone, Sylvia, everything that if we were betting money would say Minnesota. But um, there you go. I think hopeful for the upset for LA. I think that would be great. I think NECA's worked mm-hmm. really hard this year, and Candace doesn't have one yet, and Tolliver. And I want it for – you know, those players like Elena Beard, who's has worked so yeah. hard and who's played her role, and I'm, I'm so happy to see her get some shine. I think it was in game two or three. They did a feature. Oh, no, one after she hit the shot, but they talked mm-hmm. about players who don't always get the credit because the stats aren't the biggest. You know, she's not scoring 18 a game, but she does so many little things. So I think that would be great for L.A. and just uh, for our league. And I think L.A. has such a history, a rich history as a franchise, that I would be really excited to see them you know, bring back the, you know, the Lisa Leslie era. I don't want them to go winning, like, the next three or anything, but I would be nice. No, that's okay. You know, be competitive again. I think that would be great for our league. Well, let me just say that if I were both of you, I wouldn't try and take a charge from Maya next year based on those things. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Coming through. Oh, right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, ladies, thank you very much for taking time. You know, Leisha, thank you for being the co-hostess with the most. You've been fantastic today, dialing in and out at different times. And, you know, congratulations, oh, uh, first vice president of the Players yes. Association. You know, yes. you know it's t- tough shoes to fill with those outgoing officers, but 
you guys, it looks like the Players Association is in great hands with the people they put in. Thank you. Yeah, I had a, like, oh, shit moment of, like, well, I'm doing it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, so, so Bree wants to talk to you when we're done with this. Something about her wanting more money from the Players Association. Exactly. So. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I was like, are these positions paid or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that's one of those things. Like when you know, you you get paid the same amount I do is doing the pot for doing the podcast. People's undying right. gratitude. <laughs> you know? uh, like Twitter mentions. There you go. There we go. There you go. That's it. We'll pay you in Twitter likes. Uh, (laughs) Ladies, enjoy Game 5. Thanks again for taking Mm -hmm. the time to be in on Dishing and Swishing with us. And we're looking to look forward to seeing both of you next year tearing up the Eastern Conference again. Just try and go a little easy on my son next year, okay? Uh, Okay. (laughs) I don't know if we can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Atlanta, you know, Laisha, they just killed us this year. I mean, Bree, I think we split with you, actually, you know, so. Yeah. But Atlanta mm-hmm. just owned Connecticut, so. 4 0, 4 There you go. All right, thanks again. That's another and we'll talk again soon. All, All right, right. bye bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.